Welcome to We Lead Radio. Your hosts are June Gunter, Beth Hijack, Christine Erickson, and Morgan Reidenauer. This show is a conversation that will focus on reimagining leadership to meet the reality of 21st century business and life in organizations. The conversation is inspired by timeless, natural wisdom for how to lead through uncertainty. Now, here are the hosts of We Lead Radio. Welcome. I'm Morgan Reidenauer, and this is We Lead Radio. As always, I'm here with my amazing co-host, June Gunter. Hello. Beth Hijack. Good morning, good day, good afternoon, everyone. And Christine Erickson. Hi, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about how to maintain confidence in uncertainty, and Christine is going to get us started. Christine, take it away. Thank you, Morgan. So we've been talking about confidence, and we've been talking about uncertainty. But when we put that together, what does it really mean to have that and to hold that space of confidence in uncertainty? And I'm going to go to my co-host to start this discussion this morning. Who would like to start? Well, you know, Christine, I've been thinking a lot about this and um, specifically what I used to think confidence meant for me and what I believe it is true for me now based on what horses have taught me. And for me, the big shift is about clarity of intention Hmm. and the confidence when you embody it, it is a statement. So, for example, when horses decide to move, it's not like, should we go in this direction? It's, we are going in this direction. Mm-hmm. There is no doubt. It's, we are moving this way and we're going now. And I think before, for me, the way I used to look at it was um, as a personal, emotional quality mm-hmm. and and I'm, I'm really purposeful in shifting to what is information around me right now and how do I need to adapt or adjust and and go and I think the confidence comes from that switch for me and that's what I've learned from the horses how about you Morgan mm-hmm. You know, there are two things I'm really thinking about as I I think about confidence and uncertainty and what that really looks like. And and I'll, I, I'm also going to reference the horses here because there's two behaviors that really stand out to me. The first is when, when something happens in an environment um, that is unexpected it, and the situation becomes uncertain. Things have changed and they don't know what's happening anymore. Mm-hmm. One of the things you'll see is the horses lift their heads and really start paying attention in a very, it's a, it's a visceral thing. They really focus and hone in and start noticing everything very intentionally mm-hmm. and very clearly. And then the other behavior that they exhibit is a coming together. So when uncertainty is on the rise, horses move closer to each other. They mm-hmm. find each other and they physically move closer. And I think that that really translates for people as well. When we hit uncertainty, two things that can help us maintain confidence is really focusing in on that attention and noticing mm-hmm. and also finding 
our team, finding our herd and coming together because that's perhaps a source of confidence, attention and unity. Beautiful, thank you, Morgan. Christine, do you wanna add? Yeah, I, well, I like um, the distinction Beth started to make around that embodiment. I think too, for me, I used to hold confidence more as a, a knowing, you know, and how do you make a smart decision? Like how do you get all your facts and um, assess things strategically and confidently deliver that or lead that? And really, I now hold confidence as an embodied presence and action. And I think that I've learned so much of that from the horses. It's, it's what they're constantly doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Those practices or practices for us, ways of being for them, mm -hmm. that in those moments, they can just move from an embodied place as opposed to stopping and starting from, from the beginning. Mm. And I, I think that's been really important in my own life and work. Absolutely. When I think about what a lot of the business leaders we work with are facing, in some way, shape, or form, they all know that they're living in what's commonly referred to as a VUCA world. And mm -hmm. that stands for volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous and it used to be okay to rely on your expertise and your experience to give you answers for how to move forward now that's not true you can no longer look behind you to make decisions about how to move forward you have to look in front of you hmm. and the answer isn't going to come from what you know. It's going to come from what you notice is happening around you, what really matters to you, and who you care about, and who you're willing to go with. And uh, to me, that that is the embodiment that I see play out in a herd of horses is they don't they don't look behind them for answers. Mm -hmm. they make conscious decisions about what to do with what's in front of them. Mm -hmm. and, they, and they do that from, you know, their capacity to share leadership. They use their capabilities of attention, direction, energy, and congruence. And, that, and the, the, their ultimate confidence comes from their shared purpose and their shared values. Uh, we, we have a rare opportunity to witness herds of horses share leadership right in front of our eyes and and one of the reasons is because of the organization we're about to spend time with in the next few minutes called return to freedom and uh, we were at return to freedom with a, a group of clients a couple weeks ago and they were learning about what shared leadership really looks like and this group of people was sitting on the hill watching these horses and one of the horses made the decision that it was time to move towards the water. Mm -hmm. And very subtly and in an elegant way, mm -hmm. one by one, every member of that herd of 75 horses eventually moved in the same direction and effortlessly all visited the waterhole. And it was palpable to watch these leaders see this happen. And, you know, 
pardon the the obvious, but there was no conversation that happened about this. They didn't have a three-day retreat to figure out when are we all going to align and go to the waterhole. No, they lived their values, which is we we know we are safer together than when we're apart. Mm-hmm. We are willing to follow because following is an act of leadership. And we don't know what's going to happen. We're just going to keep noticing. And we're going to use our noticing to make decisions about how to move forward together. And this group of executives saw that happen right in front of their eyes, and they were changed by it. Mm -hmm. And the conversation we had the next day was so powerful, which is, are we really willing to align? Are we really willing to look at what's happening around us and decide how to move forward together? Beautiful. Yeah, Yeah. that was a really beautiful thing to witness. Um, I feel really fortunate that we all had the opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. I think in what you're saying, two two things kind of stand out for me in in the herd's values and ways of being, too, is that there's there's mutual informing going on all the time. Absolutely. So that, that connectedness that leads to that willingness to follow, to lead, as well as the, the constant state of being present. And so it's not just that you embody presence when something changes in the environment or something unexpected or big or dramatic. It's a con- that constant noticing and awareness mm-hmm. um, so that they're already kind of there when something happens. And I think, too, in leadership, I think so often, you know, we, we can get focused. We need to be focused and we get our heads down and we keep going and then we bump up against something or something comes up unexpectedly and then we put our head up, but we haven't been looking up intermittently mm-hmm. right. like the horses do. And I love watching them do that. It's a constant. Yeah. It's very, very subtle, but it's always there. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why they can be confident in uncertainty is because they never tune reality out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what makes them agile and able to make good decisions in the moment with the information they have. Right. You know, it makes me, the question just come up when Christine and, and June were talking, it's like, why don't we? Hmm. Why don't we? Why don't we? come up and look at each other and stay in constant communication, what, why wouldn't we? And what's creating that, that gap for us in our organizations and in our communities? You yeah. know, I think that people who are wrestling with the degree of overwhelm and the degree of complexity in their facing are often making conscious choices about where they place their attention and they get so focused on the goal that they're trying to meet that they stop seeing that the world they're living in is changing. Mm, Absolutely. And, um, and that's when their strategies stop working and that's when the status quo becomes the goal rather than just a point in time. Mm. And that's when they lose confidence in their ability to lead. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you know, it's that relationship piece. It is. And, you know, I think so often we don't do things because we don't fully understand the purpose of them and remembering that there's purpose and checking in and connecting and that's building confidence. 
We do need to go to break, but we will be back and we will be talking with our amazing guests from Return to Freedom. Remember, you can always tweet us at Wheelie Radio, email us at leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. We would love to hear from you. Be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Teaching horses on the frontier of leadership development. Get out of the office and into the field to learn what horses have to teach us about leading through uncertainty. Teaching Horse is recognized worldwide as a premier provider of executive and leadership development with horses. Work side by side with horses to apply a simple framework for leading through uncertainty. Practice using attention, direction, energy, and congruence to elevate confidence in your leadership. Contact us at teachinghorse.com to meet your executive leadership and team development goals. Are you among the many who believe it is time to reimagine leadership for the 21st century? Are you considering stepping up to a new level of leadership? If so, we have a resource for you. Go to the Amazon Kindle store and order The Choice to Lead by June Gunter and Beth Hijack. In this book, the authors share what horses have taught them about leadership that will prepare you to take confident steps in the direction of your future. Download your copy today, and we look forward to supporting your growth as a leader. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to We Lead Radio. Tweet us at We Lead Radio to share your thoughts or questions, or send an email to leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Again, that's leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. We've been discussing confidence in uncertainty and what that really means to us. And now June will be introducing our guests and telling us a little bit about where they're coming from. June, go ahead. Well, it's my absolute honor and privilege to introduce three extraordinary people. And I'm so thankful that our listeners have an opportunity to be in conversation with them. Netta DeMeo is the founder and president of Return to Freedom, Wild Horse Conservation. They're a national nonprofit organization that began in 1997. And under her leadership, Return to Freedom is a nationally recognized voice on public policy issues and they're advocates for the humane science-based alternatives to protection of wild horses. And it's it's rooted in their own hands-on wild horse and burrow management experience. So the name of this session or this uh, episode is is the confidence to go all in. And, and let me just tell you, if I've ever met anyone who has gone all in for what they believe in, it is Miss Netta DeMeo. Uh, she 
also in 1998 opened uh, Return to Freedom, the American Wild Horse Sanctuary. And uh, the sanctuary is on the Central Coast, and it's really a pioneer model for the humane, science-based alternative to wild horse management that can also be applied on the range. And their goal is to one day, is to reduce and one day eliminate the government capture and removal of wild horse and burrows. The sanctuary has grown to provide care and refuge for 500 wild horses and 42 burrows, most of which were captured and removed from state and federal lands. So NETA doesn't talk about wild horse advocacy without actually putting her whole self in the game. And her care for these horses has also enabled her to... um, to pilot, to, um, to utilize non-hormonal fertility control vaccine that allows the sanctuary's horses to live in their natural family bands. And now has evidence that there is a minimally invasive way to manage wild horse populations. So uh, we can't thank her enough for all that she has done. She also, in 2004, launched the American Wild Horse preservation campaign and and this is important for a very important reason which is she's helped assemble a coalition of over 50 diverse organizations that are now working together on the same issue which is the protection and preservation of America's wild horses now counted among these people who collaborate with Netta is a really extraordinary person named Chris Hyde. Chris is the founder of the Blue Marble Strategy Group um, in Washington, D.C., and they are the first professional lobbying firm to work primarily on animal protection issues. Chris was uh, head of a government and legal affairs for a uh, national animal protection group for 18 years, and he's considered the nation's leading animal protection lobbyist. I'm also going to introduce you to Corey Golden. Corey Golden is Return to Freedom's Advocacy and Communications Coordinator. He's worked as a newspaper reporter for more than 20 years, and he was also a policy analyst for the League of California Cities. Please welcome our dear friends, Netta, Chris, and Corey, to the conversation. Welcome. This is Netta saying hello to everybody. Good morning, and thank you for having us on the show. Hey, Netta. Hey, Netta. Hey. And this is and this is Chris. Hi. Hello, everybody. Hey Chris. Good morning. This is Corey. Thanks for having us. I know it's early for you all and we're so thankful that you're here and we want to jump right into uh the conversation with you. So if you would tell us about the critical issues facing wild horses right now from your perspective. Um well, I, I guess I can open it up. This is Netta. Corey can um, jump in here. Um, obviously, this issue is <laughs> really one of the things that I, I try to redirect when people refer to it as a wild horse problem. Um, it really isn't. The, the horses are really caught in a battle. They're on the front lines of a battle over our natural resources and the use of our federal lands, as well as our state lands, um, you know, wherever uh, they range, is there's a battle over the resources on those ranges. 
so it's just becoming more challenging with the constant push for increased fossil fuel production and increased demand for water. Um, the drought, you know, obviously we're experiencing it firsthand out here in California. We've been hauling water to our, our home base ranch for a few years, and it's just increased. So um, these are the, the obviously the major challenges that are facing us every day. And then culturally, um, the increase of social media has helped, but it also has created more noise. So it's been increasingly more challenging to focus people's attention on issues like this when there's so many important issues, uh, right. you know, coming at us these days. Mm-hmm. So that's, those are two of the biggest challenges. So it's the, it's the overcoming the noise so that you can educate people that we even have wild horses in America and then what is their value in a changing world? Why should people care what they can do about it? And to raise the funds to run a sanctuary, which is, uh, you know, a very expensive endeavor. So um, that's my perspective. Those are, those are our two top challenges. So, Chris, if you don't opinion. mind, share with us a little bit about your perspective on the politics and the opportunity to make positive changes for wild horses. Sure. This really is a unique time. I think I've been doing this issue for, you know, I've known Ned almost 20 years and starting off very early doing this issue when really I was the only one in Washington working on wild horses. And um, it has never been easy. I think there's the assumption that now we are in a better place than we were 20 years ago. Uh, I, I certainly think a lot more people are paying attention to the issue. We have a lot bigger voice the issue. Um, there's more u- more unity. Uh, you know, there used to be a lot of kind of dividers uh, on how even wild horse activists would approach, you know, how can we protect the future of the wild horse. So, uh, you know, I think we've seen all of those changes, but we're still facing an extremely and progressively worse political uh, future for these wild horses, despite all of these very positive things. Um, now, I don't want to, I have to clarify, I don't want to sound negative that, you know, it's time to give up. I, mean, I wouldn't be doing this if I thought it was time to give up. I think there's still, you know, that fight. But kind of alluding to what you said earlier in the first segment is that I think the problem that we face in politics is that we have to break the status quo uh, in, in moving forward. You know, somebody needs to kind of look up, as you alluded to, and, and see what's ahead of us from time to time. And we really haven't done that Um We've got uh, any of the administrations that we've had politically have not been friendly to the wild horse. Uh, this one has just kind of really sped up that process and the difficulties that we're facing. Um, so that, that was a part of my hope of leaving kind of the animal movement directly, uh, you know, because as being a nonprofit, I was hindered in what I can say and what I can do politically, um, you know, that I felt the animal movement and I'll say that in, in, in a broad sense. I mean, anybody in the animal movement certainly cares about wild horses, but we're bragging, you know, there's 15, 16 million activists in the wild horse movement, which would make us probably the biggest movement, social movement there is in the country. Mm-hmm. But there's no political muscle. There's no, you know, nothing other than getting off of social media. We really don't do anything. Uh, and I think that's kind of the pivot that I've wanted to make. And, you, you know, as you alluded with Netta, um, She's doing it. She's doing it on the ground. She's being hands-on practical and has a very long history with this. She's just not raising the money 
to kind of keep an organization going. She's raising money to make educational changes on an issue while also protecting horses. So that's kind of the challenge that I see we make uh, is that we need to pivot. We need to pivot from just being reactionary on wild horses, which is what we have been and what we are, to being proactive uh, and and making those change in the policies. And, and that's a tough hurdle to get over, but that's kind of where yeah, I feel Chris, we I've have, have landed of, right now. Um, issues, and granted, some of what I know I learned through social media, but I've seen a lot of issues over the years, and what they are, what I used to see was disappointment after disappointment after disappointment in terms of policy changes or government or Congress congressional response. And I would say in the last year, I'm starting to see even more alignment, and I'm starting to see you get some wins on um, budget bills and opportunities to stop slaughter. So what do you think has created the momentum that you're getting? And I'm not going to ask Netta and Chris and Corey to contribute to this. Um, and, and what created the alignment among these 16 million people in this movement who are standing up for wild horses right now? Yeah. Well, I think that comes the education part, because, you know, if you look at what we've done on, and I'll kind of split them out, if, you know, on defunding and keeping horses from going to slaughter, which in the ultimate end would account for wild horses, that we started in 2005. So that's not new. It may have gotten more attention to something at this point, but that's not new. Uh, since the mid-90s, we've been having language put in to specifically protect wild horses from being uh, sold or slaughtered and kind of as a way of a management tool. We've actually backstepped over the last few years. We've, we've taken a hit where that, you know, we, we, that language had come out. We got it back in, uh, last year through the appropriations process, a congressman, Chris Stewart of Utah, uh, was successful in getting language included that would specifically allow the BLM or give them the authority or, you know, as they claim the tool in the toolbox to mass kill. Uh, thousands of wild horses as a management tool. So to some extent, we've stepped backwards uh, in, in what we have achieved. The attention's gotten big, but what we've achieved has to an extent somewhat stepped backwards, and, and that was kind of where I was alluding, is that we need to make that pivot because we've got the support. We've got the strong opposition to poor management of wild horses, but we can't kind of, you know, put it over that, over that hill, over that hill, and even this year, and I don't see it as a positive step. Chris Stewart, the congressman from Utah, didn't offer his amendment to allow the horses to be killed. He this time though he allowed he offered an amendment which would allow for the mass sterilization on the range of I the mares you have and so possibly even to be... you know creating non-reproducing herds out on the range. So uh, you know that that adds a whole another set of you know major concerns and major problems. Uh, with that, but he was successful in getting that in again this year. That we're going to have to fight uh, in, in over the next couple of months as you know, kind of Congress moves forward on finalizing well, these uh, appropriation bills when this language is. So, so it's been tough. I'm going to ask you to. We're gonna, when we come back, we're going to ask you to think with us. I get that it is extraordinarily hard, and for some reason, all of you keep coming back year after year after year and your commitment and your confidence is unwavering. Our listeners want to understand what gives you confidence as you face the uncertainties that are in front of you that continue to be 
almost insurmountable. That's what we want to talk about. So, Morgan, you want to take us out to break? Yeah, I think he said it all, so we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Teaching horses on the frontier of leadership development. Get out of the office and into the field to learn what horses have to teach us about leading through uncertainty. Teaching Horse is recognized worldwide as a premier provider of executive and leadership development with horses. Work side by side with horses to apply a simple framework for leading through uncertainty. Practice using attention, direction, energy, and congruence to elevate confidence in your leadership. Contact us at teachinghorse.com to meet your executive leadership and team development goals. Are you among the many who believe it is time to reimagine leadership for the 21st century? Are you considering stepping up to a new level of leadership? If so, we have a resource for you. Go to the Amazon Kindle store and order The Choice to Lead by June Gunter and Beth Hijack. In this book, the authors share what horses have taught them about leadership that will prepare you to take confident steps in the direction of your future. Download your copy today, and we look forward to supporting your growth as a leader. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to We Lead Radio. Tweet us at We Lead Radio to share your thoughts or questions, or send an email to leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Again, that's leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Now, Back to this week's show. Welcome back. We've been talking with our guests from Return to Freedom about the issues they're facing. And in this segment, we'll be talking about where they get their confidence from. June, do you have a question to ask? Yes, and uh, I'm going to ask Netta to start. So I, I know you've been committed to this cause for decades, and... One of the things I also know about you is that you don't presume to have all the answers and you're absolutely brilliant at finding your way to the best next step. So we want to hear you talk about what gives you the confidence to stay in this cause that you're pursuing. (laughs) Well, you know, as I said earlier to you privately, it's like because I said I would. (laughs) <laughs> I really mean that. There's a big, there is, when I started um, walking down this road, you know, when I was very young, I wanted to, to save wild horses and have a sanctuary and those kinds of things. But later in life, when I actually started walking down the road and I got to know what was really threatening our wild horse herds, um, I realized it was really 
uh, political, and it was driven by economics. And uh, the more I understood about you know the challenge that our wild horses are facing on the range, it really spoke to me just about not just wild horses, but all wildlife, natural spaces, natural resources, and and us. You know, and uh, today with what we're facing, large mammals are are definitely having and going to continue to have more challenges. So I think one of the things that I would say that keeps me going is just having a clear picture that there are of the solutions. And I think, you know, are we going to be able to save everyone on the planet all the time? You know, there's, of course not. Is a sanctuary going to save them all? No. But the sanctuary was a way to create a classroom so that you could start to educate people and to explore the solutions. And when I found the Science and Conservation Center in Billings, Montana, and uh, became aware of that there was a, a, a solution to <clears throat> be able to keep wild horses in somewhat of a natural state so they could live the way they're intended to live in natural family bands, social bands, bachelor bands, herds, by managing their reproduction. That was one of the keys to being able to create the sanctuary. And um, we've had a 91 to 98% efficacy rate with fertility control vaccine. It's non-hormonal. It's somewhat reversible. It um, doesn't work on every single mare, which is lovely. You can't eradicate a herd with it. Well, there's other, other processes like sterilizing mares and gelding stallions that are permanent. Removing horses is permanent. Um, so I really just set out to look at those alternatives and see how viable they are in the range. And I think the confidence comes from persistence, consistency. You know, having, having a picture, having a vision, or as, as Beth said earlier, clear intention, moving forward consistently and sticking with it. And as we were able to have more experiences with that over the years, your confidence grows because you can see for yourself you know, these horses are not dying, they're not ill, they're living into their 30s, the vaccine doesn't hurt and, and hurt them and these kinds of things, you start to appreciate that um, your choices were, were right. Now, there's many choices when you run a sanctuary every day that you have to make, whether it's with people, with staff, with, with guests, with issues that arise on the ranch, with the horses themselves. And you're right, you have to be adaptable, like the horses themselves, who survived millions of years based on, really, their <laughs> adaptability. And so when I look at confidence in a changing world and put it, not knowing where your foot's going to land, but you, you know you need to move forward, it's just staying alert, being present, listening to your instincts, and, uh, and staying consistent. What, you know, like you can base your decisions and you can, you can use your past experience, but that horse has second sometimes to determine whether something that they see as a threat and to make a choice on how to move and where to move and how fast to move. And they have to also maintain the flexibility to change that choice. But once they make a commitment as a herd, I've been on the range and, you know, we're, we're, we've, been moving, we've moved horses on horseback, and once they make a commitment to a direction, it's hard to stop that herd, which to me speaks to the alignment that you're noticing um, out there. And I think that um, humans and our social mammals as our horses, and I think that there's a lot of similarity there. And I think that as a whole, our confidence has grown 
because we're able to see more and more science that is supporting what we've already hoped or knew and seen, but now science, there's science that supports that, whether it's with the fertility control or other, other range science um, and other solutions that, that could be available. If we could have an agency managing, like we could have a Bureau of Horse Management, I think that we could really get somewhere. But this is a Bureau of Land Management that we're dealing with, and so people are fighting over the same land, the same resources, and these horses stand in the way for some, some people. So it's been really a challenge to, first of all, get all of us, the advocacy community, aligned over the last 20 years and then to move forward and then to talk with other people who have a, a stake in the same resources and the same public land and to find common ground so that we can work together on solutions so that the horses aren't suffering, so they're not abused, so they don't get sold to slaughter and these kinds of things. Because some people don't share the same sentiment over the horses. And as an advocacy community, we have to appreciate that they have a they have the right to not agree with us, um, but we also have a right to support our choice, to voice our choices, and to educate with the science that is supporting our choices. You know, Netta, and, I have and, to say, uh, you're basically giving all of our clients a clinic in how to lead through uncertainty right now. I absolutely love everything that you're saying. And I want to just summarize with, there's a saying we use at Teaching Horse, which is clarity and alignment are so much more powerful than force. And once you commit to the direction, it is all, you become almost unstoppable. Um, Mm -hmm. So, wow. Mm -hmm. So, Chris, is there anything you want to add to what keeps you moving forward and staying in this game? No, I think it, I mean that has summed it up perfectly. Again, you know, having done this all these years, really, there's only about three people that have been around since I first started this that are still around who haven't, uh, you know, kind of locked themselves in their basement and you know are hiding from the sunlight on dealing with this because it is very difficult. It is an issue that's filled a lot with emotion and passion. Uh, with this is that we're fighting, you know, there is no, and I, I would disagree with it, you know, getting much more deep into it. I, there, I think there is an economic value. There is a survivability value. Uh, there is a future value to protecting wild horses and herds and wildlife and the habitat that they exist on. I think, you know, what we see happening to them now is often claimed as an economic, you know, oil exploration or green energy or wind energy, all of those hurdles that, face are very short-term thinking. Uh, they're not long-term thinking for the survivability of not just humans, but the wildlife and the, you know, the habitat and all of these things. You know, so I step back and realize that what we're doing in that sense is, uh, you know, we're kind of big picture thinking, you know, it's the struggle of getting there, but it's the big picture that we're thinking on how to move forward in the long term and, uh, you know, not just eliminating ourselves because there are so many challenges. I mean, there's, there's the changing climate, there's the increasing human population, you know, there's changing of the habitat, uh, all of those things that we must take into account. But, you know, I think if we step back in those, that's allowed me to kind of keep going and, 
you know, where I may get critical of some things. It's, um, it's more that I think, you know, we just kind of need to keep pushing forward because there is hope to, uh, you know, make those changes uh, in the long term. So that's kind of what keeps me going after all these years. How about you, Corey? What keeps you in the, in the game? Well, I came from, um, I haven't been at this as long as they have, but I come from um, a world of journalism where, you know, where, um, where facts matter. <laughs> and it was what's built confidence for me is to see that the, the main solution that I understood when I came here um, has been... Um, is supported by so much science, and so it's it's a wonderful thing to see when you're when you're um, when what you what you hope the humane answer will be um, is is backed up by the facts, and it's it's difficult obviously to when it comes to a federal agency it's it's um, it seems more difficult than turning a battleship, but I think um, the success that you've seen in in the advocacy community and the willingness to sort of um, to dig in to that science and for people to um, to come into relative alignment uh, about those solutions is you know that that um, that bolsters my confidence. Fabulous. So, mm-hmm. Netta, give me a final thought on what it means to have the confidence to go all in, because I know you have gone all in. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it can be scary. I, I want one last word, panic attacks. <laughs> yeah, right, sister, <laughs> I get it. I so you know, get it. There are days that are scary. really, you know, challenging and on every level. I mean, you know, you know I'm, I've ch- faced a lot of my own uh, limitations, and yet I've had to continue moving forward, and a lot of it is, it's different. There's two components to my, the work that I do every day. We run a sanctuary. We have the responsibility of over 500 lives uh, daily, and that's, you know, that obviously the biggest challenge is raising funds for that. And another challenge is just um, having the right team, you know, and there's times where it's all flowing and there's times where it's not. So there's, you know, there, it's about that, that level of management as well, which is um, a, a constant growing, you know, uh, for yourself and also for the people that you're, that are part of your team. And, you know, when we can enjoy a very, a good balanced team, um, it, it certainly is, a, a, it, it, it strengthens everybody. We're all stronger for it. And right now we're experiencing, you know, a really unified team, and we need to grow the team. And I think, I hope that's reflected in the national community. I know that, you know, the coalition partners that we work with, we have, um, we don't always agree on everything, um, but we we tend to agree on most things, on you know, especially with strategy. And we know that we all need to find a way to work together because each of us represents other people's point, many other people's points of view. So it's, you know, we stay true to our convictions and we find that there's a lot of people that share those convictions and we will remain to be true to our, to our, our voice, we'll be the voice for those, um, for that point of view. You know, Netta, I, I hope you count us among the we. Um, Absolutely. 
and we will continue to do our best to expose leaders to what horses have to teach us and hopefully continue to elevate their status in our world because we think they're some of the greatest teachers of shared leadership on the planet, literally. Very much so. I think I thank you so much for honoring them and bringing them to the table. There's so much similarity. We're just similarity. getting started, sister. We're They've just always started. led the way for human consciousness to grow as well. Absolutely. Times well, thank you. Too. Thank you so much for joining us, Netta, Chris, Corey. We'll be right back with Corey to to tell us what we can do and what our listeners can do to help. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Teaching horses on the frontier of leadership development. Get out of the office and into the field to learn what horses have to teach us about leading through uncertainty. Teaching Horse is recognized worldwide as a premier provider of executive and leadership development with horses. Work side by side with horses to apply a simple framework for leading through uncertainty. Practice using attention, direction, energy, and congruence to elevate confidence in your leadership. Contact us at teachinghorse.com to meet your executive leadership and team development goals. Are you among the many who believe it is time to reimagine leadership for the 21st century? Are you considering stepping up to a new level of leadership? If so, we have a resource for you. Go to the Amazon Kindle store and order The Choice to Lead by June Gunter and Beth Hijack. In this book, the authors share what horses have taught them about leadership that will prepare you to take confident steps in the direction of your future. Download your copy today, and we look forward to supporting your growth as a leader. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to We Lead Radio. Tweet us at We Lead Radio to share your thoughts or questions, or send an email to leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Again, that's leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Now, Back to this week's show. Welcome back. We are here with members of Return to Freedom. And Beth, what else would we like to ask our guests? Well, this is our wrap-up section. And what we really want to do is give Corey and Chris the opportunity to share how people can get involved in supporting protection of wild horses and our environment. So, Corey, Chris, please feel free. Take it from here. Well, I, I can talk, start by talking about um, uh, how they can help return to freedom. Uh, for starters, we, we provide a lot of different ways for folks to get involved. 
um, folks locally can volunteer, but um, folks from around the world can get involved by uh, by sponsoring a horse, um, and which provides an opportunity to feel sort of connection with a specific horse um, at our sanctuary. But at the same time, we also have a wild horse defense fund. If politics are are, are really where your interest is, or or supporting our uh, monitoring of roundups, or um, selective litigation, or um, helping Chris do what what we do on the uh, on the sort of taking action advocacy front, um, we're in the process of really kind of playing defense um, this year on some threatening uh, funding bill language that Chris mentioned. Um, while continuing to advocate for sort of these bigger, humane, long-term solutions. And so that means calling and writing Congress. And so if, you, uh, if folks go to RTS website at returntofreedom.org or follow us on social media, uh, we provide constant up- updates on information as well as suggested talking points and, and uh, give folks different ways uh, to get involved. Great. How about you, Chris? Yeah, no, I think that's certainly the big thing is to, is to go to returntofreedom.org and find these things, and you can find all their social media links on there. Um, but I think it's also is cutting through the noise that Netta, you know, alluded to earlier on social media. It's, there's a lot of people out there. They aren't actually even in Washington, yet they're, you know, posting online all of the stuff that's happening behind the scenes in Washington, and I think that can oversaturate a lot of activists. So Return to Freedom, we've tried to be much more cautious and, uh, you know, put out what we know is actually going to happen and what can what can make a difference. So that's a great resource to follow. I think what's key for me is the message that I've been having as a private lobbying firm, which is what you can't really do as a nonprofit, is to get into the the political side of it. Nonprofits can lobby, but into the political side of the campaigning and the electioneering. We're heading into an election in November, a very critical election in November, where the makeup of the House and the Senate could be online. And, uh, you know, with those things, if we did have a change in Congress, we would not be facing necessarily the devastation that we could be facing with wild horses and the bad trend that we've had over the last couple of years. So my big thing to a lot of activists is take, you know, send the emails to make your phone calls, but go to town hall meetings, show up where these candidates or elected officials are speaking, ask them pointed questions, uh, be very factual, be very polite. That's what drives me nuts. We've got to be extremely polite when we're messaging these things. But be serious in how you vote. Pay attention to how you vote. Um, you know, because a lot of animal activists will, you know, say they, they get mad at me. Why I can't change wild horse policy when 80% of the public cares about horses. But then they tell me who they vote for, and that member is horrendous on wild horse issues. Uh, so that makes a huge difference, uh, you know, is to organize your friends. And, you know, start electing people that do care about wild horses and the future. And it's not a party issue. Uh, you know, we've got some fantastic Republicans on wild horse issues and horrible Democrats. It, it can be the person. Uh, but until we start using those 16 million people to start electing good candidates, we're going to have a rough time uh, in that change because it's not been a good trend on uh, those people that we elect to Congress or even you know, all offices. So, so that's been a, a key focus of mine and, and I think important for activists to do as well. Great. Uh, you know, Chris, there, there are um, just one point I want to expand upon. Um, the wild horses, and it's, it's, it's bigger. So if you're an environmental activist, get involved. If you're 
part of the human planet get involved. Look, we talked about the Yellowstone. The introduction of the wolves back in helped everything. It's not a, it's, it's for all of us. It's the benefit for all of us. And whatever questions you could put up for people going out to these town hall meetings and asking their uh, elected officials to frame the questions for them, that would be awesome. Um, we can't thank you all enough and just want to check in with my co-hosts, any things that they would like to add before we head out for this week's segment. How about you, Morgan? A thought about everything you've heard on this show. You know, one thing Netta said that is really sticking with me that I think is applicable in so many situations, don't avoid what is scary. Because a lot of times leading is scary, uncertainty is scary, and we just can't avoid that just because it's scary. Right on. How about you, Christine? I think just the notion of um, within the leadership frame, the wild horse frame, the advocacy frame of continued movement forward, what that looks like, we don't always know, but that continued movement forward and not having our energy stuck or dragged back in something that has already happened or something that we've known before, um, holding that persistent presence that the horses do and that these type of movements require and that leadership requires is so poignant. You know, if I really get to the essence of confidence and uncertainty, what gives you confidence and uncertainty is love. Pure and simple. Mm. And Amen. I know that's why Netta does what she does. She loves every single one of those horses, and she loves all horses. And that's what keeps getting her up in the morning. And so when she said she made a promise and she's going to keep it, that's it, people. Find what you're willing to make a promise to. And that's what will give you the confidence to lead in the direction of your future. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much to Return to Freedom. Thank you so much, Netta, Chris, and Corey. It is time for us to end. Hopefully, we will see you all back next week, or we will maybe hear from you on Twitter. Tweet us at WeLeadRadio. Email us at leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. We look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to We Lead Radio. Be sure to join your hosts, June Gunter, Beth Hijack, Christine Erickson, and Morgan Ridenauer next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, which is 10 a.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. And we'll see you on this same path next week. <laughs>